podcast about product management, user experience design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right. Welcome to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. Uh, Eva is back. Welcome back for Thank you. this episode. I am back. Uh, well, I feel like I am back also from, from hell because <laughs> I was, <laughs> I went on a trip and then uh, at the beginning of November and I came back and on, on literally on the way, on the way back on the airplane, I was like, a little bit of sore throat, a little bit of headache. And then the second I got home, I was like, Oh, here we go. I'm officially not feeling well. And then I got, what is this called? Uh, the doctor said there has been this very crazy viral upper respiratory infection going around, not COVID. Okay. So remember besides COVID, we still have other diseases going on and illnesses. There's, some, there's other stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And kind of forgot about it. Right. <laughs> Cause everyone's like COVID, COVID, COVID. And yeah. then when that got in my system, I was like, Oh, good reminder. <laughs> yeah. And anyways, so I was down literally horizontal on my couch for four days and then I'm completely fine now, but I have a cough that you will hear throughout this episode and I'm going to try to mute myself, but apologies <laughs> in advance. So yeah, that's, I am back, yeah. <laughs> back from the grave. It feels like that's, that's good. Terrible. Yeah. Good. Good that you got better and maybe good it wasn't COVID. I don't know. I had to go get a COVID test too. Cause I, I got sick a little while ago and like this feels like COVID for sure. When did the <laughs> oh, no. the test, which thankfully is not the nasal test, and it was the saliva version of the test, which was I, I wasn't expecting that was way better, but it wasn't COVID. It's just a a cold. Rats. Yeah. So I did both during yeah. that week. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, please take a little bit of my brain. <laughs> it, so- it sounds absolutely terrible. I'm, I never had to do the the nasal test version, but. <laughs> Thankfully, but yeah, the, the spit in the little tube and get that tested. That's uh that's pretty, that's pretty good. To be honest, I didn't feel like it was that bad when they stuck that up my nose. It was okay. Uncomfortable, <laughs> but I've heard way worse, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't feel like it was reaching anything too deep. Sure. So that's, thank goodness. That's good. It's, <laughs> it sounds terrible. I don't want, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't want to swap going up into the, the far reaches of my nasal cavity. It sounds terrible. Yeah. Leaking. Yep. Yep. But yeah. And you were telling me that you went to Disney world. Did we went to Disney world, um, mid November. Awesome. So yep. It, it is totally, it was totally great. They've got it like Christmas, Christmas parades and everything starting to come back to a normal little bit. I think, you know, they took away a lot of the characters and a lot of the parades and stuff, but they've been adding them back in slowly. So yeah, saw some parades and you know character uh, photos and character dining. Yeah, we just we we did everything at Disney World. We'd never been. Took the kids. And oh. we just we we shut that place down. Like <laughs> we, we were there at the beginning. We stayed until late, and it was it was good. Kids enjoyed it. Wife enjoyed it. It was it was a lot of fun. I mean, some nights we were there until like one thirty in the morning. Like on the they have a Christmas party. What? Yeah. Insane. What time do they close? They close the park at eight, but then they, on certain nights, they have a Christmas party that goes from 
like seven to one in the morning. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's just wild. But yeah, we were there. We weren't in, intending to stay that late, but we just were riding rides and watching fireworks and the parade and all that stuff. And by the end of it, wow. by the end of it, our kids were like asleep and slightly incoherent. Like when they would wake up and just, you know, be like shrieking at what, what are we still <laughs> doing here and what's going on? But otherwise, yeah, it, it was a ball. That's so nuts. That is not what I expect. Yeah. Seven to one, one thirty. You said. Uh, we didn't get back one to o'clock? Yeah, we didn't get back. To, I think it was one o'clock that it closed. And oh my goodness. One. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like one. Yeah. Dang. And they do like a fireworks show right at the end and stuff. So you're staying and watching fireworks at like twelve thirty in the morning, and it uh, it was wild. And then getting the thing is like getting a lift or an Uber at one in the morning or one thirty in the morning is more difficult is far more difficult. So there just really? are not that many drivers out at one thirty in the morning. Uh, wow. Yeah. Do, you, do you think they open that late to kind of help like groups with just adults to avoid, you know, families and children? Maybe, I don't know. I, that's a good question, but we, I mean, there were a ton of kids there just, even younger than ours. Right. Yeah. Going, just going strong. That's I think they do it. If anything, I'd say they do it to make more money and it's the oh, Disney okay. way. They sell tickets to it. So you have to buy like a separate, it's not like included. In oh, your, your day I ticket. see. Yeah. So that is probably the sole reason that they do it is to just make more that money. That seems such a long night. Oh yeah. Super long, but it's super fun. Yeah, I have never been to Disney World, but now I'm interested. Yeah, you definitely check it out. But um, we'll be, we're actually going to be uh, doing a different podcast on a different, totally different podcast than this one, uh, talking about mm. Disney and all things. So you'll have to check that one out. And it is, it is not a trip for like, hey, we're just going to book it and go type of thing. Like it's. <laughs> It is an active planning trip. Like you can't, I've heard. yeah, you, if you're going to do Disney, like you have to just prepare yourself to, to make a ton of reservations and like do a whole bunch of planning. And like, I mean, we were part of multiple groups oh and all goodness. this sort of stuff, like Disney tips and here's how to navigate it. And here's what you got to do and don't do and goodness. all that sort of stuff. It's, it's insane. My wife did most of it. I, I can't take very much credit for any of it, but like the amount of planning that goes into it is just crazy. Yeah, that's not my kind of vacation. So I'm like, maybe I don't want to go to yeah. Disney World. It sounds really fun. But every time when someone comes back, that's the exact same comment yep. that they tell me. You have to plan by the hour, yep. by the minutes, what you need to do. I'm yeah. like, I don't know if I want that. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't say you like have to plan it down to like the minute or anything. But you do have to have a really good idea of what you want to do and, and that sort of stuff. Because... There's all sorts of reservations that you can make that will just mm. make it faster. And see, um, yeah, this is like part that. of that, 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 that research that you have to do. Yep. Yep. Cause I wouldn't know. And I hope that I get there. Yeah. Go to Disney world. It's worth but, it. Yeah. It's good. Yep. So let me ask you this. Are you, are you ready to be back and just, uh, back to the grind from the happiest yeah. place on earth? Uh, no, never really ready to be back to the grind, I suppose. But mm. it, it helps that we did this in before Thanksgiving and then Thanksgiving and then we've got Christmas coming up. So it's like 
the time of year that you're like, oh, it's all, it's all good. You know, we, things are winding down for the year. we got lots of holidays and stuff. So thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. How many weeks do we have until the big week? Let's see. Three. Yeah. Oh and probably goodness. by the time this episode gets posted even less. Oh yes. I'm so excited. And maybe this is when I need to just say out loud that this is my last episode. Don't cry. And <laughs> no one's crying. Um, yeah, because it's been really difficult scheduling time. And I don't know, my work just has been a little intense and I have to step away. But if if Kyle is happy to have me, I will pre- periodically, maybe I'll come back and check in and do an episode or I don't know, we'll work it out. But this is my last episode and I am happy that we're doing it kind of the end of the year so that it feels like, okay, no one's going to remember her, you know, by the time new year kind of starts. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, it's, it's super sad that, that you're going to have to step away, but I think we'll definitely have you come back, uh, periodically as you are able to and join us for just different conversations. Cause we've been, you've, for those who have been listening, you've probably noticed like Eva has been not part of all of the most recent ones. And that is because we'll blame her her job for it because she's been <laughs> and maybe sickness. I don't know, but it's been, uh, yeah, it's been difficult, but we will continue yeah. on and, uh, we'll have Eva back periodically. Kyle will take care of you. And who knows? I mean, the future is full of unknown. So, um, it's been really, really fun. I'm trying to look at how many episodes we've done. And it's kind of funny because when I first started, I really was like, okay, I've heard so many of my friends that have started a podcast and they quit after <laughs> two months yep. or three weeks. And then I'm like, yep, I'm going to beat them. And I have beat all of them so far. So this has been also very, um, how do I describe this experience? It's very enlightening, just kind of having a sp- separate space and time to talk about things that we like without kind of having to talk about it with the context of you know, your workplace or people involved. It's just kind of like the practice itself, the principle itself, you know? So yeah, I, I'm really grateful. And Kyle, I'm really grateful that you asked me to do this. It's been super fun. It's been, I mean, we're approaching almost two years now, which is crazy to think about. Uh, (laughs) Maybe, yeah, not quite two years, but I think it was something like March of 2020 that we started. It's like pandemic starting we we got it rolling so oh i'm seeing the first one was april april 2020 <gasps> what yeah year and a half yeah yeah, yeah wow up on it so Whew. that's crazy yep it is crazy yeah i hope to come back and everyone you heard it here kyle is going to have me back <laughs> so anyways um how do i do this segue i haven't done it for a while <laughs> <laughs> Go into our topic. Uh, <laughs> speaking of having conversations with people about what you like doing, <laughs> I think this is good. Um, go. I'm, yeah. I'm, hold on, hold on. I'm almost, almost there. Speaking of, yeah, having conversations about what you like doing and and what you want to do, all that stuff and work. Um, we're we're gonna talk about more about our ex- experiences on on both sides of the interviewing table. So we're gonna talk about. I don't know everything and anything today. Um, 
did, did that work? That's yeah, yeah. that segue. Oh, okay. That works, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll roll with it. Uh, it's a good one because Perfect. a lot of, I think a lot of folks have been part of the, uh, I don't know, the great, I don't know, great resignation or great, uh, what are some other terms for it? Renaissance great. revival. I don't know. Yeah. Re- uh, no, 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 no. Hold on. Revolution. Yeah. The French Work, revolution. Working revolution. Uh, yes. Yeah. As part of that have been, uh, you know, moving to other, other roles. So not just like quitting and not working, but really quitting and either finding, you know, new roles or, or moving up or that sort of thing. So, it's a it's a good topic to for us to touch on again the interviewing both on both sides so like how how can you go about it how can you take advantage of all of the things in motion right now to to change your job mm-hmm. maybe change your career i don't know yeah i mean hopefully you're happy where you are but if you're not this is the time the market is hot and get what you what you need and i recently just went through a round of interviewing people, interviewing designers and researchers, and it's been really fun. Um, So my experience today that I'm going to share mostly is going to be on the interviewing side of things. And I would say that struggle is real. Hiring someone who can fit your team while hoping that they don't get another offer, you know, while you're in contact with them. And... uh, I have a headache just thinking about it, <laughs> but so, yeah, and, but I would say even, um, but because of the great res- resonation, I, I also see that there's more um, candidates on the market, quality, quality candidates uh, looking for new opportunities. The ones that were not, you know, really thinking about um, changing careers before have, you know, kind of thought about maybe this is the time. And I've seen, you know, some of my friends have done that and, uh, so it's been really interesting, but again, it's really competitive. So that's kind of my initial thoughts. Yeah, it, it is a really good time, I think, to be looking for for opportunities because it is there are a lot of opportunities out there, more than I think I can recall in a long time, and uh, a lot of just change happening. And that for me is always an interesting time to be, if you are a candidate to be in the market looking, you know, when things are changing dramatically and when there's just tons of opportunity. So yeah. And it is, if you're hiring, it's tough. Um, even I, I think have both been on the hiring side and there is just with all of that opportunity for candidates, it is super difficult to, uh, to find, not to find candidates, but to make sure right. that you're compelling, like really compelling, uh, because there's a lot of choices. I have um, ran into this problem, uh, not so much a problem. It's a perspective that I have thought about, but I would like to hear your thoughts on on, on this, uh, Kyle. So I was, I can't remember where I was reading this post. It's, it's one of those um, online spaces <laughs> that mm-hmm. someone asked, Hey, like, what do you think of, about this company's interviewing process? And this person kind of talks about like, Hey, they asked me to do, um, design exercise to show them that, you know, you can provide a solution and everyone in the comments are mostly like, don't do it. Don't, you know, provide them free solutions. That's free work. And 
on the other hand, you know, I kind of went down that rabbit hole because I was kind of in the middle of hiring of how can we interview people and understand their skills without, because to be honest, like I am in a startup space where <laughs> there's just not a lot of structure or processing that I can rely on. So it's like the more time I put into hiring, which I want to, um, the less time I can answer to the 3000 requests coming in from my team. Right. So with the limited time I had, I, I want to make sure that is something, you know, we, we, we say, okay, I'm confident with this process. And I don't, I didn't really quite have an answer. Like how can we skip the design exercise while still understand how the candidate themselves can, you know, fulfill the requirements. Right. And the one thing I did do is the exercise I put out was not a real problem that we have to solve as a company. It was a imaginary within, you know, same industry, but that was kind of my way to kind of get a middle ground on that. And yeah, I I just want to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Just kind of some of the test project or anything like that. Do you see any of that on the product side or what's going on there? Yeah. So I've definitely used them as well. And, uh, when, when we were working together, we used a a design exercise, uh, for some of the candidates and, uh, I have done that. And I, I think it's, it's, a good thing. I think that some companies like I was, I've been reading some similar comments where some companies lean on that heavy and lean on it really early. Like here's, you know, a, a, a long design exercise, or here's like a, you know, something you have to do for product and without really even talking to candidates. So just like, you Mm. know, do this work and then maybe we'll talk to you. And I think that that's totally the wrong approach. Like interesting. Yeah. I think using, uh, using them, especially for different at different levels. So like Mm -hmm. when it's more junior designers or product managers, um, I personally like to use a relatively simple exercise of some sort that is not meant to take like a significant amount of time, but to just get them thinking like, here's, here's something that could be important. And for, for products, I tend to lean more on like a problem and, and seeing like what the writing skills are and seeing what some mm-hmm. of the, uh, just the thought processes. And then same with design. Like it's not meant to be like a long drawn out, like you have to come up with a massive exercise, yeah. but like, here's, you know, here's a problem, you know, do it and then come in and, and we're going to talk about it. So it's not like, it's not meant to be like a filtering thing, but it's meant to right. be much more of like a collaborative ah. thing. We want to see how, you know, how you write, how you process some of these things. I also like to keep it and I I've gone back and forth on this. Like I, there's probably benefits of doing something like very, very pertinent to your, like your company. But at the same time, it feels that to me has generally felt like it's too close to home, like for me Mm. to be objective on. So like, I like almost taking it out of the, the specific uh, company context and and picking like Mm. a problem or a product or design that is a little bit more removed so that we can all be a little bit more objective about it. Cause I have tons, like if I was to give somebody a problem that we're facing right now, specifically, like I have tons and tons of thoughts on that and it would be difficult. I think it'd be more difficult for me to be objective and I would probably be harder on the candidate, like knowing all the contacts that they don't. So that's, that's how I've used them. And I think using them to, you know, especially as you get more senior, um, into, you know, leadership roles and that sort of thing. Like may, you could make it a little bit more involved, but I just, I think it's a lot to expect 
early on somebody to put a ton of time into a like a design challenge or a product uh, assign like a take home assignment. So I like using them a little, you know once we've talked and then also you know talking about it. So it's something like you bring in, let's talk through it, let's see. So not like a filtering like hey you have to do this or we're not going to talk to you type of thing, which I think is not uh, not the best use of it. And I know a lot. I know there are companies out there that do that. Like you gotta you gotta complete this assignment and then we'll we'll set up a you know an interview with you but that to me just i don't know i don't like it but i do like some of the take-home work because it helps it helps just see the thought process okay i don't know how i how long i was muted because i was coughing but i I really (laughs) i i think what you said is really it's really interesting. Like, I really like what you said about like, it's don't use it as a filtering mechanism, but more to add to kind of basically how you understand the skills of this candidate. Yep. Uh, and I kind of forgot that I, uh, man, I don't know why some companies just use that in the very beginning stage. Uh, why waste everyone's time? Like, yeah, no, <laughs> it's, and yeah. I think finding a way to limit it too is super important. Mm. Like I've, I've done it where um, you know, it's, it's intentionally a limited thing. Like you have mm-hmm. one, you know, one page, like that's it, like, you know, right. write, write out something so we can see like how you solve it, how you, yeah. how you write, how you do things, but it's not meant, it is intentionally limited so that, you know, mm. you can't like spend a ton of time on it. You can't like have, you feel like you have to go through and do like a whole bunch of extra work. Mm. It's much more yeah. like this is meant to, for us to talk about when we talk. And also, you know, for you to, yep. to just, you know, put out some ideas and things that you may not, yeah. have, you may not have the chance to do quite in the interview context. And I think those things take home can be good, but you have to do it right. I really like that perspective. And I don't think that this practice by itself is just purely, you know, oh, evil, someone trying to take your time to solve problems for free. Like, yep. I don't think it's so much that, especially being on, you know, the interviewing side, I really just needed more context of how well you can execute. Um, and I think you po- uh, you pointed out something that is so important is that setting some perimeters so that the candidates don't end up spending 30 hours on it. And I remember one time younger in my career, I, I was, let's see, how many hours was that? I mean, likely your candidates have a full-time job during that time they're interviewing. And I remember I did that while I was, you know, doing my normal job. And I did that exercise, let's say from... 6 p.m. after dinner to literally 8 a.m. the next day. I pulled an all-nighter and then went to work the next day. I don't know how I did it, but it was so tough. And but I wanted to make it as good as possible, right? And I probably didn't need to spend that much time on it. And anyways, I, I like what you said about setting up very specific perimeters and boundaries and make sure that no one is producing something that are just not going to be yeah. informative. Yep. Yeah. I think it's on both sides. So like as a hiring manager or hiring team, like you need to, you need to intentionally think about that because if you don't, you get, you know, type A personalities who are going to, and I've done this, like, especially younger in my career, like spend a crap ton of time (laughs) on, you know, whatever it is that you're working on because you want, you're interested in the role, you know, you want to really show your best work and put your best foot forward. And so you end up spending like every night for a week, you know, working on something for, for hours. So, I mean, you end up spending like 20 hours on something that 
just, it shouldn't be like that. So like from a hiring side, being really cognizant of how can we make this beneficial for us to see what the work they can do, Mm -hmm. but without forcing them to, you know, stretch immensely. So like really time bound or context bound things like, you know, Mm -hmm. here's, here's what we want. Here's what we're expecting. I mean, I've seen people who are like, Oh, you know, we leave it intentionally vague so that, you know, we want to see how you think through. And I think in some ways, you know, you don't want to like give, give the answers or be like, it has to be done like this. But at the same time, like you have to put some boundaries around it and be like, we, you know, this is meant to be just one page, you know, one slide, whatever it is, like, just give us your thoughts. And, you know, it's in addition to the conversation we'll be having and other stuff, or, you know, there's interesting online things as well that, you know, depending on the the job or the role that can be additive to the conversation, but also very time bound, like intentionally make it time bound. So, you know, you don't have a young Kyle who's spending like 20 (laughs) or 30 hours, like creating this thing that we're going to, you're going to look at. And, you know, we may talk about for, for a minute, but is like, it didn't need to be that long. It didn't need to be that need to do that it's much. so sad but yeah. yeah i think the bottom bottom line is definitely tell your candidates exact you know uh, medium that they need to you know produce their output in um because for example my designer i told them hey we want a web-based you know mm-hmm. product that you can build give me wireframes give me whatever and i gave them the exact quantity of wireframes just give me two wireframes nothing more and you know some more specific quantity of what they should send you and also how they should send you those things and the exact timeline, right. That line of give it to me by then, uh, by whatever time, but be human about that timeline. Cause (laughs) I, 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 yeah, don't want anyone to be. Yeah. For sure. You know, until 8.00 AM and then have to go to work. That's a lot of the people that you'll get will be super driven and, you know, will do that sort of thing. So, and from a candidate standpoint, like I've done, I've done a number of these, like in a whole bunch of different contexts, like answering questions or prepping presentations or all that sort of stuff. Like I wouldn't necessarily say no, you know, because somebody's asking for something like that. Yeah. Especially depending on like what the context is. I, I would, if it was like upfront, you know, you have to, you know, do this deliverable, you know, write this thing or whatever it is that mm-hmm. people are asking for without really having a conversation or, or anything like that. That to me is like more of a red flag, but if it's part of what the conversation is going to be and it's, you know, time bound and uh, all of yeah. those things that I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at it and be like, I'm never going to do anything, you know, that <laughs> somebody right. sends just out of principle, <clears throat> but I would definitely be more selective on, on companies that are, are asking for that sort of thing. Just make sure that it's, it fits into the context and it's not like a filtering thing, but it's more of a, you know, this, we're going to be talking about it. They, they want to see how I'm working and that sort of stuff. So don't to shine. Yeah. Don't, don't let it dissuade you as a candidate, but at the same time, like make sure that they are the right things and not bad or evil or that sort of thing not crossing a line yeah Yeah, i think sometimes you kind of know and have that intuition of like wait this sounds wrong and i would say push back and ask hey how is this going to be used if you're you know speculating they're going to use it to make a thing right (laughs) because at that point you are doing free work and i personally don't agree with that right and i i I, yeah and i i think in this 
kind of space too. Um, it's really, you can use that opportunity to show how you normally would work when the task itself is just not feasible. And to be honest, if I can hire someone that can reasonably sound the alarm and tell me, Hey, I want a little more context to help me to make a better decision. That, that is a good thing for you to show, you know, the hiring manager. Cause yeah, I want someone that can function just like how you show me during the interview process. And I, I I think that context is uh, going to make you stand out too. It is. And remember like as a candidate, I look back at like a young, as a young candidate, I feel like I was just too, I don't know, too timid in some ways, but I think what you're talking about is exactly right. Because as hiring managers, like we're, we're just, we're people too, you know, like we don't like what we do isn't perfect. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. it's like a process of finding, you know, what's the best thing. And so, um, asking, don't be afraid to like ask questions and be like, Hey, tell me more about this. You know, tell me what you're trying to get. Tell me like what, if, especially if it's unclear, like if somebody's like, Hey, you know, answer these questions or, and, you know, send us your response, you know, in, in word or something like, okay, feel free to like expand on that. Like, don't assume that, Hey, these people, they, they know it. And if I ask any questions, then, you know, it's going to be a red flag. Like, no, it's, it could be part of the learning process for everybody of like, Oh, this isn't clear what we're asking for. How can we make that more clear? Or geez, hadn't, you know, we hadn't thought that this was going Mm -hmm. to be such a big thing. We need to make it clear that it's not meant to be a, you know, a massive thing is that it's going to be part of a conversation and we don't expect more than, you know, this amount of time spent on it or that sort of stuff. Like it's not, it's not a make or break thing. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask those types of questions. Cause I feel like a younger me would be very timid about asking those types of questions. I would not now, like I would, (laughs) I, you know, would be perfectly fine, like pushing back and being like, well, what is this? What, you know, what are you trying to do? Why, why are we doing this? If I didn't understand, but it can be difficult as a young candidate. You don't want to like look like you're rocking the boat, but I, I wouldn't worry about it. Like that's, I keep keep having these episodes of advice to like your younger self and it's <laughs> things we wish we would have known. Jens had, uh, Jens and I talked about this. So go back and listen to that episode. Cause it was, it was a good one on advice to our younger selves and things we wish we'd have known earlier. Cause now we're not afraid to ask questions and not afraid to like push back on things. But if you're young in your career, you might be, but you shouldn't be. This is turning into like a Oprah interview <laughs> conversation, like lifestyle how to be yep. more assertive about, I don't know, people work interviews, but I, I agree with everything that you have said. And to be honest, it really feels like sometimes people compare their jobs to some kind of parallels of dating, but it really is a two way street where someone is putting effort. Someone has to plan the date and the other person has to participate, but if there's anything that you don't like say something and, and let's make sure this is a feasible relationship. Um, it is at the end of the day, this is something Kyle, <laughs> Kyle and I were talking about before the episode started is that at the end of the day, like it has to work for you and has to work for them. And it's not personal. It's a business transaction. And sometimes it's not the right fit, not the right timing, whatever the reason is and make sure just if you catch any of the red flags <laughs> during the process, um, speak up and figure out what it is before you kind of say, well, that's not the right candidate or that's not the right company. Um, so yeah, push back and, and, and find 
a little more context, yeah. but sometimes you do see red flags and get out. Yeah. <laughs> right. I am curious though, for, for me, I feel like I have a more tangible output that I can um, ask from candidates for a designer or a researcher position, but what, what would that look like for product people? One thing that I like is, and I'm a big fan of the future press release. Like I've used them through my career for a while now, and they're meant to be very much a, an opportunity to think through what you want your product to be. And this is one that I've used and I'm, I'm a fan of like, because they're not meant to be long. They're meant to be like one page and they are addressing, you know, a specific, uh, either business problem or product or something like that. What does this look like in the future? And it puts you in the, the mindset of the customer. So who is, who is using it? What are they saying about it? Like how, you know, how did we get from point, you know, from now, uh, to the thing, it's a very Amazon thing. So they use this when, it, when they're doing new things, it's like, here's, uh, here's the new thing and here's what, what we envision the future of it like. And so for me, that's a, a really good option as an exercise. Cause it gives you the chance to look at, um, your writing skills, uh, empathy for like the user and the customer, that sort of thing. And then solving a problem, like how do, how does this thing go about solving a specific problem? So it kind of puts all of that, it boxes it up nicely in a concise form, like, you know, make it a page doesn't need to be longer. And kind of hits on a couple different things. So that's one thing for me that's, um, that's useful. I've done a number of things, uh, both in the hiring side and then, you know, the interviewing side as well. Um, whether it's like presentations on, you know, specific problem, how would you go about solving this problem or, you know, here's, uh, something else. So all of them are kind of around either presentation or writing, but you kind of get the opportunity to, to see that. And Mm. it's much better if it's, has a good framework around it and isn't otherwise it can get away from you. And, you know, you could ask for a presentation on a specific business problem, but all of a sudden that becomes like solving. And I've done this. (laughs) It becomes like solving all of the the possible problems and like a 30 page presentation on, (laughs) on everything. And, you know, walking through like, how would you go about this? And I don't think that that was like the intention of what this was. I'm remembering (laughs) one from, from several years ago of what this was meant to be, but man, I, like I did it. And like, I was so sold on it too. Like by the end, I was like this, I have, (laughs) I have solved this, like this company's problems and it involved like new product lines and everything. Like it was, it was really good, like really well-researched, put way, way too much time into it. But it was like, I was just pumped about this and ready to Did you get the job? No. And that's, that's (laughs) a funny, no, it's a funny story. It's actually just totally worked out really, really well. Uh, cause this specific company and they, and I was for this reason that I didn't get it, but ended up, um, having to do like massive layoffs, like shortly thereafter. So they, oh, they no. like pause the hiring and then did a whole like layoffs and stuff. So it's like, Ooh, dodged a bullet with that one. But I was ready. Like <laughs> I was ready to go out and be like, if, if they don't so want me funny. to do this there, I need to find either a company or like start one. I was we'll going to say, this. cause it was like, it was legit awesome. I didn't do either of those things, but <laughs> I was going to say at that point, you just need finances and then you can start your own company. Oh, seriously? You're getting into their product lines and all that. Yeah. yeah. Just come up with a business plan. Yeah. Just, was like, just get it done. Yeah. yeah it was a business plan. And <laughs> That's great. I think in another context, like, do, you know, putting together 
a business plan might be good, especially if it's a little bit more senior role. Um, but there's like lean canvases too. Like here's, you know, here's a problem. Here's a lean canvas. Like just go through and, and, you know, fill out this sort of thing. Like how would you go about approaching this? So anyway, I, I think a massive presentation is too much. It was way too much at the time. Like I just, <laughs> man, I, I remember that very vividly. Oh like I put goodness. way too much work into that. So if you can shrink that down and make it less onerous, uh, and just, you know, do like a lean canvas or something that makes more sense. How many hours did you put into that? So, oh man, so many, I don't even, it's been long enough that I don't remember exactly, but I, it was, uh, it was a massive amount of work and a massive amount of research. Cause I was like oh boy. researching into <laughs> the whole field and finding like, uh, all sorts of statistics to go off of and, and you know, what competition was doing and, and like all <laughs> oh, sorts wow. of, it was, it was it intense. Yeah. It was the kind of thing that you would, you would definitely do as a product person in the role, but I should not have been doing that amount of work for, for, wow. an interview, for sure. Did you have to present it or did oh, yeah. you just have yeah. to send it? No, present three hours it. long presentation. Or it was <laughs> not, um, not as long as it could have been or probably should have been, but it was, and again, it goes back to like the expectation thing. Like how yeah. can you, you manage the right expectations, make sure everybody's on the same page. Cause it was, it was probably too open-ended and I was like, take it and run with it. Cause that's just what I do sometimes is like, I'm going to take this and, and run with it. And you went up the mountains and oh, mountain bike down and then got on a parachute yep. and you yep. went everywhere with it. Yeah. Yep. That's impressive though. Like someone gives me that, I'll be like, I'll find you a job. I don't know <laughs> this one, whatever one, I'll find you a job. Right. Yeah. Like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The amount of work, the amount of work, I guess good to see that sort of thing in a candidate, but you should not, should not be requiring that of candidates. They've they've got other stuff. It's just, you gotta, you gotta be empathetic to, to the person doing it too. Like I love, I would love to see that as like a hiring manager, but just knowing the amount of work that somebody could end up putting into something like that. Like it's just, you can't expect someone to do that yeah. just right out the gate. Cause if someone does that, to be honest, I worry about them. First of all, I tell them like, Hey, great work, but are you sleeping? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Seriously. Burnout is a real problem as we have talked about. Yeah. So I, I, I hope that, you know, I can get someone who can also sound the alarm. I, I, I love that phrase, just yeah. sound the alarm when something doesn't work for you. Something doesn't work for me, whatever it is, just when you see a problem. That problem could be you approaching burnout, which we don't want that problem. So, so yeah, yeah. that's so funny. I can totally see you just like five in the morning, just typing away, just the room is dark with your five guitars on, on the wall, <laughs> just typing away. It was, it was but, definitely yeah. something like that. I, I remember <sighs> staying up extremely, extremely late oh my goodness. in order to, to get that done. Um, or to get it to the point, not to get it done, but to get it to the point that I wanted to, cause I had like a very... <laughs> specific vision of by the time it got down to it, of like what I was going to do and say and all of that sort of stuff. So anyway, it needed, it needed more boundaries. I needed some boundaries on that one. <laughs> but yeah, this is a great story to illustrate the point. Like if you're anybody, anybody wants to give an exercise, give them a boundary, just, yes. just some perimeters to make sure they don't turn into, I guess what Kyle did for that, for that for, exercise. For sure. For sure. Uh, and I think 
like hitting on some of those those points i mean i i really like you know allowing some presentation allowing some writing like that sort of stuff in interviews just to get a feel for who especially on the product side like how can how will they present how will they you know speak to something how will they how will their writing be that sort of stuff but it's got to be mm-hmm. it's got to have a framework around it you got to put some yes. boundaries around it so that they're not uh not overwhelmed by what you're doing and to be honest like at the end of the day if you're interviewing people and while doing your, your job too like likely the hiring manager only have so much time yep. to read through let's say if this is sent out to three candidates and one of them send you a 500 page presentation that's a lot yeah that's yep. a lot it is yeah yeah but again not trying to discourage anyone to go above and beyond what i'm trying to say is just sound the alarm <laughs> if someone is asking you that and don't expect someone to do it. That yeah. really is it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and we've been kind of talking a lot about the exercise in the interview process. I have another piece I want to ask um, your thoughts on is <laughs> um, some companies, they do culture fit interview mm-hmm. and have someone who comes from an entirely, you know, irrelevant department to come gauge how well you will fit into the company or sometimes different uh, uh, approach would be, Hey, the VP is going to come interview mm-hmm. you for an, maybe an int- individual contributor level mm-hmm. role or just higher, higher powers, depending on size of the company. How, how do you see those um, team members from other departments or teams coming in? I think that it can be a really good kind of outside perspective. So especially as you get, you know, your team involved and like immediate workers, like getting somebody who can really help, you know, see the candidate in just a different light. I'd, I'd probably be careful around like the uh, cultural fit. Cause I think that that can be like both good and bad in that, you know, are you, are you only trying to hire people like you and like people that are already uh. there? Cause that, can be a very dangerous road to go down, but Amazon does something. I keep going to Amazon, but they do a, like a bar raiser interview where you kind of have somebody from outside of the hiring group come in and it's not necessarily about cultural fit, but more about, is this person going to raise the bar for everybody? Like, are they, are they really, really good? And they're not, the more we hire, like the better people we get and that sort of stuff. So just getting an outside perspective. I've been, kind of the outside perspective in other teams. And I think, you know, it's hopefully it's helpful in, you know, just getting a different view, making sure that it's, you're doing it in the right way so that it's not to filter out uh, candidates Mm -hmm. that aren't like people who are there. There was a funny Mm -hmm. Dilbert uh, I saw, I think just today where it was like talking about how Dilbert was interviewing for cultural fit and, you know, the the candidate asked, you know, is there anything or or is the culture so good that it can't be improved on? And Dilbert was like, it sounds like you might be too smart to work here. And the candidate was like, yeah, I get that feeling too. So (laughs) like making sure it's, um, I don't know, like a bar, almost a bar raising, but also getting some outside perspective, I think is great because you can get into groupthink if, you know, you're all, you know, you have a team and you all know each other and that sort of stuff. And, you know, there might not be anybody willing to speak up if they have concerns, but if you have an outside perspective of, you know, here's somebody who's not part of the team, you know, they're not necessarily accountable to 
the hiring manager, but they can just give input on, you know, here's, here's really good things. Here's maybe some areas of concern or that sort of stuff. And just, you know, give, give an additional perspective, but knowing that your culture can always be improved on. So don't filter out people who aren't, uh, the perfect fit right now. If, you know, especially because they could add significantly to hopefully the culture going forward. Um, this it's almost <laughs> exactly what I was going to say, because once upon a time, somebody has made a comment about, you know, that interviewing process, that particular portion shouldn't be cultural fit, mm-hmm. but more like an ad. So we should look for, you know, a culture ad, not yeah. culture fit yeah. into the company. Exactly yeah. what you said. And I, I, that actually blew my mind a little bit. Cause I was like, you're absolutely right. Yeah. How do you define who's in, who's out? You know, when, when you decide if you're fit or not, right. That basically is a pass fail yep. test. And how, how do you define that? Right. Cause I might define it in a different way than, that you do. Um, I think that can get <laughs> dangerous or sometimes, like you said, adding the same personality, personality usually is kind of becoming the, the, the top, um, what is that factor that people mm-hmm. look for, which is really not how you should evaluate your candidate and also who you bring into the interview process to evaluate that will alter the results drastically, which yep. it shouldn't. Right. And a lot of the time, I also think that the interviewers are not prepped in a way that have, you know, Hey, we're all going in with the same criteria or same approach everyone's looking for different things and that kind of is counterproductive. And I have been in (laughs) that process and, and I came out, I was like, hold on a minute. We're not talking about the same thing. (laughs) And also I've also been in ones that the, the evaluation is through an exercise that, you know, sometimes it's completely irrelevant to your company's industry or whatever, just kind of test how the candidate will respond to this very mm-hmm. out of the left field question. And some people just don't do well in that kind of like rapid fire. Give me an answer right now to this very random scenario that we just yep. posed to you that has nothing to do with what you're expecting to hear. And, and that's also where okay, does this framework actually provide any insight to how well this person can add to the company? Yep. It probably doesn't. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I don't know anybody has figured out, oh, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. And Cause I mean, I feel like technical skills, all the other stuff you have, they're, they're just more channels to, to figure that out. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. And I think you know what we've done in a couple of different places and what I've seen as well is really refining the process, especially as you go, and then understanding what each group or interview is is really meant to get to. And so um we set up something like that in in a previous uh role that I had where it was, you know, everybody had kind of the specific things that they were talking about or, or kind of interviewing for, and then we could bring all of that back together. So it was, there was prep involved. And then it was also, what are we trying to understand in each of these different interviews? So it's not just kind of like go in and, uh, you know, have the exact same conversation or have a different conversation, that sort of stuff, but like very thought out, like here's 
the things that we that we want to dig into. You know, uh, Kyle's going to talk. It's going to interview specifically kind of around this specific thing, and the next person is going to really focus on answering another another thing. And so it's not like the interviews just aren't, yeah. you know, go in, tell me about yourself, tell me about <laughs> your experience, uh, you know, kind of the same over and over. Cause that's just, honestly, it's a waste of everybody's time. If yep. you're like repeating as interviewers, repeating the same thing, uh, yep. that really could be captured better in, you know, maybe like a group setting and then diving into some of the specifics in you know, inter- individual interviews, which is one way to do it. But just having a game plan, I think, is the key takeaway there. Oh, like, yeah. Just w- what are you going to do and go into it with an actual plan as opposed to like, hey, <laughs> you know, you four, you're you're doing interviews and and you know, go with it like that. See you there. <laughs> yeah. You're, here, here's your time slots. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll get back together after. That is not a great game plan. I think this problem, if I, if I, you know, can guess, I think it's more common than, than, than we think, because I really, yeah, it's just one that can be easily overlooked. And I personally, in the past, I have gone in to meetings with HR and just say, Hey, can we talk about the interview process? Because I don't feel like it was productive where everyone just kind of went in with no prep or, you know, coming out with things like, that candidate is very charming. I like mm-hmm. him. And I'm like, wait, hold on. That's, that's what we're looking for. Cause that's on my page. Never. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and that came out during the interview. Right. And then I was like, wait a minute, we can't, we can't do this. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you see anything like that in, at your, you know, current workplace, like HR is probably the good direction to, to have that conversation and ask, Hey, what is the preparation or proper process to get everyone on the same page. Or if you feel comfortable in a smaller workplace, you can get the group together and say, Hey, how do we want to approach this before we go in and just kind of gun blazing at the one person? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Especially as a hiring manager, I think a lot of it comes down to like a hiring manager too, especially, I mean, if you have a, a really formalized process at a big company, um, you probably don't have as much leeway, but like as a hiring manager, just understanding what it is that you're looking for, who is going to be part of it and prepping as much as the candidate preps, because hopefully as a candidate, like you're, I expect as a candidate, you're doing a fair amount of preparation. Um, you know, if you are a somewhat decent candidate, you will like go through a lot of you know, study and prepping and that sort of stuff. So the least that managers and the team can do is prep as well and make sure that it's as good and insightful an experience as it can be. Because, you know, I think we've all been in interviews where it's just like either one after the other and and there's not really like a coherent flow to it. You know, it's just these four people are going to interview you and that's, (laughs) and that's what it's going to be. You can tell the difference between that and you know, here's the Mm -hmm. interviews and here's the interviewers and, you know, they're focused around answering some specific questions. Like, you know, it might be one is around teamwork and just talking about how you work in a team and and examples and that sort of stuff. And another might be a more technical one, but just having some sort of idea what you're going to try and accomplish. I, I would like to extend this this point to to um, also sharing a little bit with your candidate to tell them kind of, hey, these are the four people that are going to be in the meeting. 
And also this is the direction that we're going to go into just a little bit to, to kind of help the candidate to prepare to after you figure out the game plan, you know, with yeah. your peer group that you're bringing into interview. Cause I mean, there has been so many times where I personally have gone into interview to be interviewed as the interviewee that I was like, they didn't tell me anything. <laughs> I guess it would be just anything. And you know, you know, there are um, questions that can ca- catch you off guard. And, and I am not my best when I'm, you know, caught off guard and it's not productive for, you know, anybody in that situation. So yeah. I would recommend sharing a little bit. You don't have to tell them everything, but just give them, give them, Hey, the engineering director is going to come in and, you know, tell them a little bit more. Yeah, totally agree. Like you want, um, honestly, you want the candidates to be comfortable, but also just prepared with whatever it is. And so if you can kind of give some framework around it yep. as, as a hiring manager, hiring team, like you can get better answers and just a better quality interview than if it's, you know, just, we're all going to come in cold and, and see how this thing goes. Cause I mean, that sometimes can go well and sometimes cannot. And, yeah. and honestly, that's why I like some of the take home things personally, because they give like a framework for some of the things that we'll talk about, like, Hey, you're going to answer this question. <laughs> And then you can come in and we'll talk about it. Like we'll go through your thought process and then we can get into, you know, some of the more interviewing specifics, but like, you, you know, kind of what you'll be talking about. Like there's, there's something there and, you know, having some of that prep, like being able to focus as a candidate, being able to focus your preparation on what's going to be the most valuable thing, as opposed to like just having to guess here, you know, could be any of a hundred different things that we're going to talk about. And so I, I now have to be ready for all of them, which as a candidate, you, I don't know, you probably will be ready for most things, but I feel like every interview I've ever done, I've walked away with like one thing that surprised me. I was like, huh, hmm. never had that asked before. And so that's where I make like a growing list of things that like right. have surprised me or questions that I you know, wasn't expecting or that sort of thing. So I can think about them beforehand because if you have the chance to think about it beforehand you can give a much more insightful answer than if you know it's just you're you're caught off guard which i don't like to be caught off guard personally like as a candidate yeah i like to have good answers and you know have a chance to think through things so you don't have to like give the interview question list to somebody (laughs) here's here's everything we're going to talk about prep your best answers but you know just giving an idea of of what it's going to be like. Exactly. Like you don't need to give me the exact like mathematic questions that you asked yeah. me in the exam, but like, tell me it is going to be about mathematics yeah. Yeah. or biology, chemistry, whatever it is. So I can get some preparation done, yeah. but flipping that on the other side too. And if you are, you know, going to an interview soon and they're not telling you what it's about, um, reach out and say, Hey, I'd like to be better prepared. Can you share with me? who's going to be in the room and what direction, you know, um, we're going into so I can better prepare. I think that's a very, very question to ask. And this is literally the kind of things that a hiring manager or the recruiter literally just spend five minutes to answer. And it doesn't add to anyone's play. It's the bare minimum that they can do Yep, and should do when you ask. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And and it's agree completely with that. And it's one of those things that I don't know, maybe I was just like too 
timid early on? Because I can remember like not asking those types of things. But as you get older in your career, like you have no problem with it. Like, hey, you know, what what do I need to be prepared mm-hmm. with here? Like who who is going to be there? Like, are we going to be talking about anything specific that you want me to to be yeah. ready for or you want me to uh, to prep for and that sort of thing? Like, just don't be afraid to ask that question because it's not like you know, somebody's giving away some great secret on, (laughs) on things like you. Yeah. It's really meant to be a two-way street of, you know, you are trying to, to show as a candidate that you are really good, but also the company should be doing the same thing. Like show that what's the most valuable, here's what we're going to talk about. Here's how we're organized and that sort of stuff. So just so it's a way for both of you to understand better because if everybody's keeping lots of secrets, then it's just hard to get a good feel for, <laughs> is this the right person in the right role? And is it the right company for you as a candidate and that sort of stuff? Right. And they might end up saying like, oh, don't worry, it's going to be casual. And then you go in and it's the VP who is interviewing you like that. That's that's not a good sign, right? It's just like, wait, are you not prepared? Because I am <laughs> the candidate. I am prepared, right? It just... Again, I I think, like you said, two-way street, it has to be, you know, it has to work for both sides. And if when in doubt, go ask, (laughs) ask your peers, ask other people that, you know, in the same industry or post on, you know, online spaces. And I think you'll find more willing, you know, commenters than you need. (laughs) And sometimes they might lead you down the wrong path, but you learn from that too. (laughs) Anyways. Totally agree. So let me ask you a question because I know you've been doing some interviews and we have been talking about honestly a lot about the hiring manager and interviewer role. But Mm -hmm. as you've gone through, what have you been finding or seeing from like an interviewee side that would be helpful? Like me as the interviewee? You as the interviewer. Oh, uh, okay. That... Uh, oh, I see. help interviewees. So as you've been interviewing <laughs> for roles and positions, like what have you been seeing as far as tips and tricks and, and oh, things boy. that interviewees can improve upon? Oh, the one thing that I've been seeing top of mind, this is like my immediate giant question mark of, I don't know if it's happening more than usual um, compared to normal times is that <laughs> when, when, when we posted for a mid-level position, I saw a lot of very, you know, very, very green candidates mm-hmm. apply. And I try to be specific enough in the de- description where I tell you what I'm looking for, what the working relationship with me as the hiring manager would be like, and also you with the rest of the team, I kind of the level of just skills needed for that and, and how autonomous um, you will be kind of, you know, the situation in the job job description. I try to do a good job describing that. And I just saw a lot of, you know, just not the right skill level applying. And then after that, we had um, some change in our hiring strategy and we kind of changed that position to be a senior level. And then at that point, we started seeing a lot of (laughs) (laughs) mid-level skills coming in. Um, And it's not to say that nobody should, try or move up because I do see some candidates. Yes. You have potential to get up there, but I'm talking about kind of the quantity mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of how many um, candidates are a little more, just more far away from where I kind of see the spectrum that would fit into the demand. 
would be. Um, so that was very interesting. And I, from my perspective too, when I see a candidate who's full of potential, want to, you know, move forward with their career, I, I want to give them a personal response, not just the canned one that mm-hmm. says, sorry, you know, thanks for applying. I have done, you know, probably more than what normally some other people would do to just give you a little more and why or what direction you should be looking. And I, yeah, that, that, that is the first thing that kind of came up to my mind, but I just kind of speculate because nowadays it is very accessible to join a course, join a bootcamp. So there's definitely a giant influx of um, younger designers, you know, or people switching careers that end up in the UX space um, or product design space. But I would say, it's discouraging. I would imagine, you know, you as a candidate sending out, just blasting (laughs) your resumes out there and getting a lot of rejection letters. I would say if you start to see a lot of rejection letters coming through, I would kind of, kind of rethink your, you know, applying your application strategy because, um, something's not working. Right. So that's kind of my immediate thought on, on that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And shoot your shot, but just, uh, exactly. <laughs> you, you got to understand like maybe yeah. where to shoot it. I, I liked one thing that you said though, uh, specifically about like the hiring manager being proactive in some of the responses. Cause a lot of times, uh, you get either like the automated response just, um, you know, to pass or, no, you hear nothing, um, which is even worse as a candidate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like as a hiring manager, taking time where you can to be like, here's where you are. Here's what we're looking for. Like, here's maybe some things I would suggest. That's just super valuable. And, and not many people do it. Um, over my career, I can remember some just, I can specifically remember the ones who have, like, as I've applied for roles and that sort of thing, because they stand out and it would be great if just, more, more of us would do that. Like yeah. giving feedback on here's, yeah. here's where you are. Here's what we're looking for. Here's how you could, you know, we, you know, we're not going to exactly. interview at this time or we're going to stop interviewing, but you know, here's some feedback and that sort of thing. That's super valuable as a candidate to, to get some of that feedback. And it may be harder early on in the process. Like if you're just doing resumes, but definitely I've done it where I've asked like after, you know, not, not getting specific roles over the years, like, Hey, you know, what, what was it? Like, you know, I want some feedback yeah. and have gotten some feedback. Like I, there have been some people who are surprisingly willing to you know sit down and, and chat about it, which is just amazing uh, mm-hmm. to, to get some of that feedback. Like, okay, I, I get it. And you know, this is going to be helpful for the future. So if you yeah. can, as a candidate, you know, get some of that feedback, you know, why you're getting rejected and then as a hiring right. manager, if you can get, uh, you have the chance to give some of that feedback, you could definitely change the course of some people's careers as they were able to focus on what the right role is or what they can do to like upskill in order to get right. the types of roles that they want. And to be honest, like even let's say right now it doesn't work. I would like to know, oh, okay. There are a few people that I think they are going to get there and, yeah. and I would like to be able to, Hey, now we have another opening for a junior level. Like, would you like to, you know, consider working with me? And I think having that network is 
very important. And, and I also want to bring up that, like, uh, so during my last round, I basically had 60 to 70 candidates that I had to respond to. Mm -hmm. And I didn't respond to every single one with a personalized response. Right. I think I had basically, let's say 10 ish that I did write a personalized email to express my thoughts. Right. Um, but the rest of them, I try to kind of group them. So let's say if there are like 30 of them that kind of fit into one bucket of Mm -hmm. why they're not fitting to this position, it is a canned response to a point Mm -hmm. because I'm still giving them a reason which applies to them. Right. And, and I think I had two groups, um, that shared, you know, just within a group, they share the same reason, but you you see what I'm saying? Like do, do anything you can, but I don't think it takes that much time to kind of group them if you can't do personalized response. Yeah, no, that's, that's super good. And, uh, surprisingly, like I I think very few hiring managers do that level. So good, good for you on doing it. Like that's maybe because I'm so early in my management career. (laughs) So ask me this question 10 years later, I hope that I can maintain the same answer, but don't get me wrong. It took me some lunchtime, just not eating (laughs) fast enough to get that done. But I really appreciate, especially when some candidates email back, they're like, uh, one of them actually literally told me like, I'm surprised to get this personalized response this early in the process. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Yeah, no, it is surprising, but super good. Like I, I, um, if we were all just a little bit more empathetic in that way, where it's not just the standard where (laughs) thank you for your application, uh, you know, at this time, you know, it, it doesn't fit with our needs, yada, yada, yada. And best of luck I in the future. What? Yeah. Why, why even keep, keep it that generic? Right. It's just like, yeah, just, yeah, that's like super not helpful. So as a hiring manager, if you can be helpful that, I don't know, I feel like that yeah. changes the, the careers of everybody involved in yeah. some way. And if we were all doing that, just imagine how much better the world would be of like, oh, Hey, I love that. we're, we're all people and we're connecting with other people. And even if it's not going to work, which the majority of the time it's not on both sides, but you know, we're still, yeah. we're still treating everybody as, as an individual or as much yeah. as, as much as possible. Like, Hey, understand that, you know, we can't do this right now, but here's, you know, some thoughts or some advice or that sort of thing that that's like a yeah. changes the world right there. Oh, that's beautiful. And especially in our industry, at the end of the day, we design, we do product for people. And, you know, I I think at the end of the day, that matters the most. And it sounds so idealistic, (laughs) but (laughs) I I really think it's the really, yeah, the small time that you can use to to make that happen. Yeah, it it touched me. That response when that person was like, I'm surprised to get this. And I was like, I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad. So, yeah. That was the one thing I did right, I guess. But, um, but yeah, what about you? Have you, have you spotted any, any patterns or any, anything? That is, that's a really good question. Oh, no. while you're thinking, I do have, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I, <laughs> I have one last thing I want to bring up that I, uh, saw. So I saw basically, you know, all their portfolios, yep. 60 of them. <laughs> and I would say if you have a portfolio with visuals and all your, you know, documented process, make sure the one project that you think must be seen should be the top one. Mm-hmm. Organize your portfolio to 
just imagine what happens if somebody has to go through 60 portfolios, because likely that is the case. So make sure you push that one project to the top. And I would say, keep it a little more concise because nowadays, because I, I can see the almost uh, a framework of how bootcamp, they mm-hmm. teach you how to do portfolio. And I can see the same framework applies to so many of the portfolios, same process, same type of survey approach and the highlighting insights, which is fine. But again, I want to see what you, you know, have done uniquely that you offer in that process. And again, make sure, make sure your best project is the top project that you show anyway. That's yeah. That's super good advice because we have one, we have such limited time, uh, especially when you're reviewing so many resumes and portfolios and that sort of thing. And two, we have like a limited capacity to remember things. And so, and this is just everybody in general. And so making sure that the main points that you want to, to stick are at the right spot because stuff in the middle is going to get lost. And that goes for like a portfolio probably goes for a resume. And then, uh, definitely goes for like the interview too. So making sure that like, as you're, as a candidate, as you're talking, that you really highlight some Mm. key things and drive like some key points home. This is like the advice, uh, that, I was giving to somebody recently, like you have a couple things that you want to ensure that you right. get out there and like drive home yeah. through different stories and and uh, through the interview questions and that sort of thing. And then make sure that you are like opening with it as much as possible and like ending with that. So you're driving like those key points home and you know, you don't want like a dozen key points. You want like, here's the three main things that I do and just rock at. And I'm going to make sure that you as an interviewer know it. So when you're thinking back on all the interviews, there's like, here's the two main things that I remember from this person there. That's really good. That will help you stand out a lot more. So having like that portfolio, the main portfolio piece at the mm-hmm. top, the key thing on the resume, and then, you know, those couple of key things in an interview and driving it home. Exactly. And I interrupted your thoughts. So I want to hear from your perspective, what have you seen that you're like, do this or don't do that. Or, Ooh, why is that happening? <laughs> why are we interviewing? You know, one thing, Good. what, yeah. One, one big thing I think is, and this, you know, maybe is, is like the level of enthusiasm that, uh, different folks have it. It's contagious in an interview. And so if you're like really enthusiastic and you're not necessarily like happy and you know you're laughing and smiling or whatever but you just you have things that you're passionate about and and you want to talk and are excited look we get it if if all of us could stop working right now like if we won the lottery and we could stop all of us would stop working like that's hmm. i don't know if maybe some of us wouldn't but like if you just won 10 million dollars or 100 million dollars <laughs> like let's be real we're not going to be out like working at our our day jobs and that sort of stuff. You're going to do something else. So like, I get it. Like I, I feel the same way that you probably feel as a candidate or an interviewer in that, like, this isn't your life's mission to necessarily work in this job. Like that it's, it's, 
probably not any of our life's mission to do that. So you don't have to have like that level, but um, you're just not making sure that you have the right level of enthusiasm and talking about it. Like, I, I get it. This isn't like, this isn't the dream of winning a a, hundred million dollars, but (laughs) if you're just kind of so, so about things that can be, I don't know, it, it doesn't help the interview and it kind of goes back and forth too, where everybody, I don't know, just kind of takes the level down. So adding the right level of enthusiasm or passion, both as an interviewer and an interviewee. Because if you're if you're just really not excited to be there as a candidate, then that will definitely show. If you're not excited to be there as an interviewer, that will also show and will affect the interview overall. Totally. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been in interviews where I'm like, I know I'm just out time slot on your calendar. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just painful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it comes back to just remembering like we're all people and we're all susceptible to those types of things. And so as an interviewer, understanding that like somebody's put in a lot of time and prep yeah. in order to come and talk to you. So just being cognizant of that and yep. understanding that, you know, this is important. And then as an interviewee, same thing, you know, the, yep. hopefully the interviewer has put in prep and hopefully you are at least somewhat excited about the opportunity <laughs> to work there. Like, um, you don't have to, I mean, right. you don't have to have like a bubbly personality, but you know, just making sure you got the right level of energy. Adjust. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I like that. And I would say also, I try to block out time before my, you know, interview because meetings, they run over whatever. And the candidate just either sitting on a parking lot or sitting at home, just sweating. Like, do I still have that interview or not? (laughs) Um, Block out time before. So I kind of try to use that time to refresh my memories on their resume, on their portfolio so that we have some talking points, you know? Oh yeah. That's the one project I really want to ask him about, ask her about, or just sometimes I try to also come with questions that kind of humanize the process a little bit too. I think that always is a great end, you know, to, to the hour is like, Hey, you have done a lot of projects on rock climbing. Tell me, is that, is that your hobby or whatever it is? Or you're from, I don't know, Switzerland. Tell me more about that. Or, you know, I, I like ending on that after, of course, giving them time to ask questions too, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. This has been a long episode. I just checked the time. It has been. This has been a good conversation. Anything else that comes to mind for you as an, in the interview process, either as an interviewer or interviewee that we should toss in here? Um, no, I think except for just find a place you're happy with. That's it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely find a place you're happy with because you have to be there for a while. And so, well, you don't have <laughs> Hopefully. to be, you don't have to be, but you, you want to be right. So make, make the right decision. And yeah, I, I was thinking too, about just, uh, the prep work beforehand. Like this is something that's kind of been on my mind is, you know, a lot of us are changing roles frequently. And it's, I think that's accelerating more and more. So just, having almost a constant preparation of different things that you're seeing so that either when opportunities arise, you're ready to kind of jump on them or strike. Yeah. Or as you're kind of looking for a change, it's difficult. I've, I found it very difficult and probably others have too. 
if you kind of decide to make a a move, you know, you're going to start interviewing or, or whatever it is, and you start cold from there and kind of either having like a running uh, list of questions or things that you're constantly thinking about or, you know, gaining new skills, whether that's uh, mm. to improve just things that might come up in the next job that you're interested in, you know, it could be uh, as, you know, product and design people, maybe things along yeah. those lines or learning, you know, better writing or learning, you know, a programming language or anything like that so that you're ready for it. Cause those are the types of things. Like if you decide right now, Hey, I'm going to start interviewing the timeline that has shrunk significantly. Whereas if you're kind of working at those things all along, then you have just a much, you'll have a much easier time, you know, adding that into like your skill set or the interview process or things like that. So yeah, just be thinking of that. Like what's the next, what's the next role, even if you're not interested and you know, what are some things that you might want to prep for that for six months or eight months or a year down the road? If you begin now, it, the process will be a lot easier than if yeah. you make the decision and then decide, man, I got to learn a new programming language or I've got to brush up on my math skills or whatever it is. Yep. Math skills, always useful. Always. Yeah. Love, love some good math skills. Excel spreadsheeting, spreadsheeting, spreadsheeting. I feel like that's not a word, but should be Google sheeting, sheeting. I'm sorry. We might have to cut this out. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Spreadsheets are great. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I could leave this nugget in, in my last episode, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's a lot of good gold, gold nuggets that we have, um, put into this episode. And, uh, I definitely want to do a shout out or <laughs> yes. can't leave without that. No, so we have to, do you want to start Do you want to go? Sure. I, I'll, I'll, I'll start and I'll, I'll start with a gripe and we're going to talk more about this. And I think I mentioned it in a, a different podcast about Disney and <laughs> the planning process. So not here on, on product by design, though it might be a good one for that, but a different one. Uh, I'll leave a link in the show notes, but the, the Disney experience is magic and they do so many things, right. But they also really drop the ball in some places, especially when it comes to like their use of technology and some of the UX behind the whole process. So like the fact that you have to do so much planning in order to execute a Disney vacation, I feel like is a, not necessarily a failure, but a big drawback in the overall UX. And I'll give one example. We've got, we've got a whole bunch, but uh, this one came up in one of the groups that we are in as far as like Disney planning. Mm. When you make, when you buy tickets, you can buy the ticket and set the date. Um, but you also have to make a reservation for a specific park. So what? Disney World, yeah, Disney World has a number of parks, the Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, Epcot, Animal Kingdom. So they have all of these different parks. You have to make a reservation to the park. Otherwise, yeah. And there was somebody else who didn't know that, bought tickets to Disney World and, you know, got their trip plan, but didn't make the park no. reservation. And park no. reservations fill up. So you might not get into the parks. That that for me is a failure of UX right there where you should, uh, as part of the, the purchasing process, uh, be 
also uh, setting the reservation yeah. for the park. So that's you just a selection step. Yeah. And you're able to change it. So like after the fact, if there's still open slots, you can change. Yeah. You can change the reservation or you can change the ticket dates, like that sort of thing, which is why they don't make you set it up front. But then you get into the situation of somebody buys tickets, they set the dates, but they don't make the park reservation. And then oh my their goodness. trip approaches and there are no reservations left. To be Wait, so what do you time. do then? Good question. Don't know. You just don't get to do anything. You you would probably just have to move your ticket dates. So like you've bought the tickets, uh, and oh. yeah, exactly. So anyway, taking work off, planning my flight, like that's not yeah, happening. Getting not the kid, that. getting the kids pumped up or whatever it is. Anyway, <laughs> there are a number of these that, and that's my gripe, and we we'll be diving into some more of that, but mm. just leaving that little nugget out there that. Disney, Disney magic is awesome. And they, some of the experiences that they have, I don't think anybody else does it the way they do, but they, they need to up their game in some of the places with some of the technology that they're using and and the UX and the reservation process and stuff like that. It could be a lot better. Anyway, that is my short gripe, longer gripe to come on Disney world. My goodness, I cannot believe that you have to do that. And I would like to be able to experience that one day. But you're right. That whole preparation thing that you told me at the beginning of the episode, that that is enough for me to be like, mm, I'll just go to New Mexico, non-Disney, <laughs> non-Disney state. Yep. Somewhere that I don't need to plan 500 days in advance. Yep. Good to know. I'll be texting you if we decide to go. Yes. Definitely. I know there's a network of, uh, what is that? The Disney network that has a bunch of people that are very invested in that. There are. Planning. Yeah. And that's, you, ha- you have to lean on that significantly in the process to get all of the planning done and make sure you're not, and then contribute. So like once you've figured stuff out, which you shouldn't have to do that, like while you're on vacation, but like we were doing that, figuring out live and then contributing back into the group of like, Hey, here's, Here's how it works so that people know. That's beautiful. Yeah. Crowdsourcing knowledge. Yep. All right. You ready for my gripe? Yeah. Mine's sure. so small, <laughs> so small, but it, it occurs daily. Um, <laughs> LinkedIn posts. <laughs> yes. You almost have to say no more. You don't even need to say more. because <laughs> Yes, but do say more. There is a specific genre of <laughs> posts that I just cannot. Actually, you, you've seen almost like patterns of either people starting new jobs. That, that's great. Mm-hmm. I've done that. You've done that. And yep. it's like, yes, congrats. Yep. But there are posts that are just clickbaity. hate those. It's so like, clickbait. which UI is better? You have seen those. Yeah, seen those. Better for who? Better according to what metrics? And that is exactly the point, right? Is that they're not trying to (laughs) ask any questions, but it's like so many comments, so many comments, so much engagement because of that. Really, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't feed into that that (laughs) that culture. But every time I see it, it's just like this is the kind of stuff that just means nothing, and it has a similar. Okay, this is where maybe I get canceled on the last episode. (laughs) So you, it it kind of has the same energy as the, I don't know, these TikTok accounts or Instagram accounts that are like some quick UX, you know, expert telling you this one thing. You're going to learn in the next 10 seconds, you know, 
in those in this one post about how to design buttons or whatever it is. Just there's just so many of those accounts. I'm like, ugh, how do you apply any of these things? Like, yeah. what is the 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 context? What is your user group? What is this product? And it's always assumed to be like a oh customer facing product and in this very specific uh, lane of application. I'm like, why is this so popular? Yep. Anyways. Totally, totally agree. So, yeah. It's all about the clicks and the likes and the engagement. And I hate I it. Hate, <laughs> I hate those ones. I hate most LinkedIn posts, especially the clickbaity ones. Just, they kill me. And they're just, they run rampant. All of the, oh, yeah. all of the, you know, I cried at work today. Oh. Enter, enter, <laughs> yes. enter. And you're like, damn it, yep. man. What you, you're just trying to yep. get somebody to open up and click on, you know, the next thing. You want the engagement. Yeah. And it just, those ones drive me crazy. Cause it's, I mean, it's, it's doing it perfectly. Cause it's like, well, now I got to click in and see what this guy was crying about at work. And then it's like, um, you know, something yep. totally stupid. And you're like, ah. it's getting the engagement. I want to clarify. There's a line, there's a line. And when we talked uh, with Rachel, her post sharing her real human experience, that is not one of those clickbaity no. ones. So that's, just to that's put it so, out there. Yeah, that's so good. But so yep. there are just far too many clickbaity ones where it's like, you know, they, they lure you in with something <laughs> and then it's like, pull the rug out as soon as you're, you're like, no, that's, yes. what, what, uh, what are you trying to do here? I, I could pull up LinkedIn and even see some. They're just oh yeah oh yeah the which UI is better it's definitely top in my network and then the second one is do you think internship should be paid that one ugh, ridiculous similar similar energy I don't feel like that's a real survey but you see people that still vote no internships are just experience no 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 yep. some they have to pay rent that's it yep, yep. end of discussion <laughs> anyways yep. my grab is small but. Mm, very relatable. I hope <laughs> super relatable and super good. You. No, I, I just, I, I uh, Are you just pulled up yeah, right I'm looking at LinkedIn and that was like the top one was <laughs> one too? of those things on mine too. Here's one. Oh, and it starts with, I lost one of my best employees. <gasps> oh, I have the same one. Yeah. Are you seeing it? Yeah, this kills yes. me. This, these ones kill me. It's the exact same one. Oh. The person's first name start, starts with a G. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Exact I, same one. Yep. I, these just drive me crazy. Cause then it's like spaces too. So that it's always mm. like the clickbaity line. Read more. Read and more. then you got to read more and it's like, those ones kill me. Yes. It's just, yeah. I, I want yes. to make fun of them endlessly. Cause it's, if you're, if you've got to, you got to get people clicking in. It's lame. If you're going to share like yep. real like real meaningful experience, just share it, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Describe it. It's the longest graph that I've done, but eh, maybe not. Um, I do like that we end on this one because probably a timeless gripe, unfortunately. Yeah. It's never going away. LinkedIn will always be LinkedIn, I guess. It wasn't like that before. No, it wasn't. But then you got the rise of like, the LinkedIn influencer. And so they got to constantly oh. be posting like abomination. Yeah. This yeah. sort of stuff. I'm sorry. This is like strong opinions left and right. It is. There it is. Podcast. That's the, that's the problem. The problem isn't sharing good, useful things. The problem is LinkedIn influencers. Like there's, 
yes. got to the heart of it. All right. I just submitted my feedback that I no longer want to see posts like this. Okay. Anyways, I have to go to a haircut appointment and <laughs> this is probably, I, I, I mean, the best, best episode. This has been fun. Yeah. All right. We'll look forward to the next one. It will probably be a little bit in the future, but more to come, hopefully. After Kyle is done mourning my yeah. departure. Yes. But I'll be back. Hopefully. Yep. yep. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But thank you so much for listening. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at prod by design. That's prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter, Product Thinking at productthinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kyle Larry Evans as well, or check out my Medium publication, uh, Product by Design. Thanks again.